And welcome in, everybody, to a special edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast on Selection Sunday night. As we now know, the field of 68, everything is set. And let the mayhem and the madness can commence later on this week as we will see first four games in Dayton, and then we will see another barrage of games, some 48 of them on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as the 2019 NCAA tournament gets underway. I am your somewhat lucid and capable host, TJ Reeves, and I've got a litany of guests coming on to all give me different comments about what we've just witnessed. I'll put a couple of qualifiers out there over and over again. Number one, we're doing this show just after the selection show has concluded, so it's all fresh, like right out of the oven, fresh, with all of the 68 teams on the bracket. The analysts that I'm employing have not had hours and hours and hours to look over what to do. This is like a first blush, first reaction to them seeing the bracket as well. So there's your qualifier uh, if, as we get this show underway on College Basketball Coast to Coast. A wild Sunday. We saw some more automatic bids fly off the board, including Auburn blowing out Tennessee in the SEC tournament. We also saw the Michigan State Spartans come from behind and defeat Michigan in the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. Uh, and also the Cincinnati Bearcats surprise Houston in the American Conference Tournament Championship game. I worked, uh, and I'm still here in New Orleans at the time we're taping this, I worked the Georgia State victory in the Sun Belt Championship win over UT Arlington. They got an automatic bid, and they are in. So that just kind of sets the table for what we do on Selection Sunday, where we're trying to sort through all the automatic bids and all the at-large teams. And to help me out and to begin things on college basketball coast-to-coast is Deshaun Tate. I love Deshaun's insight. He's out of Atlanta and 97.9 The Game, the FM sports talk station in Atlanta. He joins me shortly after the brackets have come out. First of all, good to have you. And here we go with trying to decipher everything that we've just seen with all the brackets and the matchups and everything coming out. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good. Uh, real quick, that's 92.9 the game, but that's okay. We've all, we've all probably been kind of <laughs> losing and, and, and lacking a little bit of sleep. Uh, first of all, phenomenal job that you have done, man, between you know Detroit and all your traveling and New Orleans and so forth. Thank you. All that good stuff, and I'm glad that you mentioned something about uh, how this is just the initial reaction, giving us a little bit of a buffer because yes. we haven't had a really long time to look over these things. No, no, we have not. I'm lucky I got my own name right right now, Deshaun, after calling uh, <laughs> a couple of these games uh, over the last couple of days in the Big Easy. All right, so I'm going to do the same thing with all of the guests. I won't keep you long, but I'm interested in several things. The first thing is that selection committee chaired by Bernard Muir, the Uh, athletic director at Stanford, has been pouring over all of this for the last few days. They've now spit out the 68 teams and the matchups. What did they get right? What did you like out of this this process that was revealed on Sunday night? Well, I think one of the things that they got right was that they they put the right teams in and they left the wrong, they they, they left the right teams out, or or the wrong teams out, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, the teams that belonged in ended up getting in. I love the fact that Belmont got in because not only was their resume uh, correct uh, or, or good enough to get into the tournament, uh, but also I think that they can potentially win a game or two. Uh, and even though lost probably somewhere right around 15 games. TCU lost a ton of games somewhere right around 14 or so. Alabama, those are teams that needed to win multiple games, not just one in order to get in, and some of them didn't even win one or maybe only won one game 
and I thought the right ones got in that should have been in, and the, the, they didn't pick the ones to get in uh, that I think should have been left out. Okay, good on that front. I should make mention, I mean, everybody figured this, that Duke was going to be a one seed. It was interesting that Virginia and North Carolina also got the one seed, so the ACC got three of them, and Gonzaga got the fourth number one seed. So in your mind, they got that right? They should not have rewarded Michigan State more or anybody else with a number one seed? I think that Michigan State probably should have been a one seed. Um, you know, And I say that because out of all the teams that are in the top ten currently, the only teams to win their to to win uh, their their conference tournament uh, was Michigan State and Duke, and there's very few teams of those of that list that's in the top ten that won both. And Michigan State is one of those teams. They have the best you know record against uh, they have the most wins in, in in what they have now. This quad one, quad two, quad three, Ken Pomeroy, this that, and the other. This whole net stuff. Sometimes it's just we 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 put too much emphasis on these different quads and not enough emphasis on the evaluation that we have with the natural eye. Gotcha. I think that Michigan State was certainly deserving uh, of that one seed considering they won the regular season and won the conference tournament and arguably the toughest conference in the country. All right, a few more moments with Deshaun Tate. 92-9 the game in Atlanta's the FM Sports Talk Station. Tate's Take Sports on Twitter. And again, he's gracious to come on with me right after the selection show. Same thing with our other analysts. So this is a first blush. What did they get wrong, the selection committee? Something jump out immediately? Well, I, I mean, outside of, you know, the Michigan State thing, you know, when you're looking at these regions uh, between the East region and the West region, they're both on the same side of the bracket, and they have the toughest way. Uh, those teams have the toughest uh, road, if you will, to get to uh, the Final Four because I think that those are the toughest brackets and they just happen to be on the same side. So where you're looking at North Carolina as a one and Virginia as a one, I think they have the more easier route. Um, but I, I just kind of, for Michigan State personally, and I know people might say he's a little bit you know, emotionally invested a little bit, but I think that's, <laughs> that's where most of the people will find probably the biggest gripe because they're, prob- they're arguably a one seed. But if you give them a two, I'm fine with that. Uh, but they were probably the strongest two considering the work that they did with beating Michigan, a national runner-up, three times in a row. And uh, and in that sense, they're put in a region with, with probably the best team in the country, hence why they got the overall number one in Duke. So I think outside of that, I don't really find very many gripes outside of that personally. Do you have an upset that has already jumped off the page? Everybody looks at those 12-5 games and looks at it closely. What, what Do you have an upset that already screams out at you off the page? Well, I'm, I, you know what? I'll tell you this much. I'm glad that uh, you, you threw the Twitter out there already at Take, Take Sports because what I'm going to do right now, just for you, I'm going to wave the ship and the handling, TJ. Just for you right now, I'm going to give you and the listeners an opportunity to, to, to fill in a free space on your take, take bingo card right now. <laughs> I'm going to go with a 14-seed Old Dominion Ooh. in the South Region Ooh. over Purdue. Ooh. I like that thing. You remember Bryant Sith? Bryant yep. Sith, they used to play for the Denver Nuggets. Got a son named BJ Sith. He's a phenomenal player. I already have a lot of question marks and red flags up about number three-seeded Purdue already as is. Probably the, the one that probably stuck out to me like a sore thumb bigger than any others is the 12 seed out of the midwest in new mexico state who's a really good team and played kansas on the road earlier this year only lost by three points new mexico state they've got auburn 
uh, who's a 5-seed classic 12-5 matchup upset like you typically see. And then that 11-seed in Belmont, the team that I brought. I don't think anybody in the country who really knows about this stuff would want to play. Belmont always has a really good team. They're in the East. They're in 11-seed. They play Temple, who's an 11th, and one of those play-in first four games. The winner gets a struggling without their head coach LSU team with Will Wade. Yeah, that is that's another interesting fourteen three game. And I saw the Northern Kentucky team earlier this week at the Horizon League Championship on Tuesday. They have Texas Tech in the West Region uh, in a matchup in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Be leery of the NKU Norris. We'll see. You mentioned that Virginia and North Carolina might have the easiest routes. Do you have one region that seems to be the easiest? Before I let you go, Deshaun, real quick. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that one is probably closer to a toss-up between Virginia and North Carolina, but if I had to go one way or the other, just because I have a lot more faith in Kentucky than I do Tennessee, even though Tennessee beat them twice this year, I think that the the, the, the easier route is probably Virginia. Now, I don't know if that's a setup to try and help them get to the Final Four a lot easier. I couldn't imagine. You know, they still got to go in there and do work. They had to do the same thing last year. They lost to a 16 seed. We all know that. But I think that South region with Virginia, just because of the fact that I don't believe in Tennessee a whole lot for obvious reasons, what Auburn did to them uh, potentially has me thinking that Tennessee peaked a lot earlier in the season when they went on a 19-game winning streak. And then you're looking at that three seed there with Purdue. I told you I don't believe in them very much. Kansas State, I think they're full of gold as well. I think that Virginia definitely has the easiest road. Again, a first blush reaction to the brackets coming out. Deshaun Tate, thank you for hopping on College Basketball Coast to Coast. I appreciate it, sir. And we'll be talking again throughout the month of March and all the mayhem and all the games. But thank you here on Selection Sunday night. No, thank you, TJ. I'm going to get back to the rest of these phone calls. People blowing my phone up like I'm the one that's a part of the committee and, and put the teams in or out. I ain't got nothing to do with it. Thanks. Continuing along, it is a special edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. However, you found the show either through Spreaker.com or if you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. This is the Selection Sunday Night Show. I'm TJ Reeves. This is right after the brackets have come out. All the analysts that are coming on with me are in kind of the same boat with me where we've just seen the Selection Show. We haven't been studying this over and over and over again for a couple of days before giving you these thoughts. So I'm giving you those qualifiers as we go along here on this program all the way through the NCAA Tournament and the Final Four. Love this man as a resource. Mark Wise is back with me. Former Purdue and South Florida assistant was part of the 1980 Purdue Final Four team. Has been on the broadcast and the call for Florida Gators radio of their two national titles in 06 and 07. Does a great job with ESPN TV. Worked some championship week games on TV and on radio this week. My goodness, it's been a blur, and we now know the field of 68. First of all, how are you? Because we last saw each other in Detroit. It's now like five days later, and, Coach, it feels like it's a month later since we saw each other in Detroit. A lot of games, a lot of stuff since then. You doing all right? I'm doing great, man. Eight games, champ week for me, radio and TV, so it's been a wonderful appetizer, but now we get to the entree. All right, I want to get to the same questions I'm going to ask all the analysts in a second, but I want you to give me 30 to 60 seconds on the SEC tournament. You worked Florida uh, beating LSU, then you saw Auburn beat Florida in the semifinals, then you saw a great game in person of Kentucky and Tennessee in the semifinals, won by Tennessee, only to have Auburn beat the daylights out of Tennessee in the SEC title game. What did you make of the weekend in particular in the SEC tournament, Mark? Well, I think the thing that stood out to me was the heavyweight fight between Kentucky and Tennessee. There was such 
an adrenaline rush in the building. Remember, this is a, a tournament that year in and year out uh, follows uh, Cat Nation, if you will. The Big Blue shows up in record numbers. And because the tournament's in Nashville, it was almost equal between uh, the Kentucky fans and the Tennessee fans. It was an electric atmosphere and obviously took a lot out of Tennessee because they had nothing left in the tank to play Auburn. Now, that's not belittling Auburn because once they get it going from beyond the arc, this is a team that shoots 33 balls a game. They make more threes than anybody else in the league. So once they get it going offensively, they can really make life difficult on you. I just thought Tennessee uh, would be able to respond because they had just lost to Auburn in the last Saturday, the last regular season game, but obviously they were not um, uh, able to do that. A brand new fun game for the upcoming month of March, and the big dance is here. It's FanVest Wagering Exchange, and it's ready starting on Selection Sunday. FanVest is a digital exchange that lets you invest and trade fantasy sports teams like the stock market, monetizing your sports knowledge without losing your wallet. And FanVest is launching a free-to-play March Madness Portfolio Challenge Selection Sunday night. It's beyond simply picking a bracket that locks you in for the entire tournament. No, no, no. FanVest lets you play all the way through the Final Four. And the best part of all, the grand prize winner out of everybody's going to get $5,000 in cash. So on Selection Sunday night, sign up for free at FanVestWageringExchange.com. Again, that's FanVestWageringExchange.com. And you instantly will get a 1000 fan bucks to build your portfolio of all the teams through the tournament. Team shares are priced on historical win percentage, and it adjusts as the tournament progresses, allowing you to invest in the remaining teams in each round. If you're bullish on your team early, it's going to pay off with your investment on FanVest. It's a fun, new, totally free way to participate. Upcoming in the big dance at FanVestWageringExchange.com. All right, so there you go. Auburn gets the huge win. They end up getting a five-seed in this tournament in the Midwest Regional and will play New Mexico State in the opening round. All right, same kind of criteria that I'm asking all the analysts. And again, you may be hearing some of the ambiance around me. I'm still in New Orleans getting ready to travel back to Florida where I live after working the Georgia State win on Sunday in the Sun Belt title game, their win over UT Arlington. So we'll get to all of that in a little bit, but you may hear the ambiance around me here while I do the show. Uh, Mark, uh, same criteria. Uh, what did the committee get right here? Chaired by Bernard Muir, the Stanford uh, athletic director, who's doing all the interviews tonight now after the bracket's out. What did they get right? Give me something real quick. Well, I think they got right the mix of re- rewarding the big guys that were deserving, but putting a couple of mid-majors in uh, that, that we're not used to seeing. I love the fact that the Ohio Ohio Valley got the second team in in terms of Belmont. Um, I like the fact that Fran Dumphy in his in his swan song at, at Temple also got in, and oddly enough, those two teams will play each other. I thought, for the most part, I thought I think the committee got the right teams in the bracket. Okay, there's always a but, but they obviously got something or maybe a couple of somethings wrong. Give me a couple of somethings if there are a couple of them that you think they didn't get right. Well, I, I think they're more placement issues than it is seeding issues for me. I, I, let me backtrack just one thing on that quickly. Michigan State as a two seed after winning the Big Ten tournament, I don't have any problem with them being a two seed, but how can you put them in the number one overall seed, Duke? How can you put them in the same region? So I wasn't a fan of that. 
I thought Auburn got a bad placement. Remember, they just played four games in four days. They got sent to Salt Lake City to play on Thursday. And then maybe on the flip side of that, uh, a lot of people were screaming that Cincinnati uh, was seated way too low uh, after winning and upsetting Houston in the American Athletic Conference Tournament Finals. Well, here's the caveat for all you Cincinnati fans. You get to play in Columbus. I don't want to hear anything about not getting a favorable draw. It's just the number in front of your name, right, brother? They get a proximity thing and stay right there in Ohio. Uh, for them. Okay, an, an upset that jumps off the page. Uh, I know you worked Wofford earlier in the week. You really can't take them as an upset. They're the seven seed against the 10 seed Seton Hall that was the Big East tournament runner-up. Do you have an upset that stood out to you as soon as you saw the brackets on Sunday night? Well, you know how I feel about teams that have damaged goods. In other words, they have play- injured players, and who knows if Dean Wade will play or not for Kansas State. But they are matched up against a UC Irvine team that won 30 games in the regular season, won the Big West, won the Big West tournament. Uh, that would be my 413 special for you looking uh, at first glance. The Anteaters. Yes. Getting it done. First round. Love that. Uh, all these upsets that are across the board. We saw that Northern Kentucky team, Drew McDonald, the player of the year in the Horizon League, back last Tuesday night win the Horizon League championship. McDonald saved him in the semifinal with a three-point shot near the buzzer. They won the title game over Wright State, the number one seed, and now they play Texas Tech, who got beat in their first Big 12 game by West Virginia. Is that maybe trouble for Chris Beard's team, or did the West Virginia game wake them up? Real quick thought, because we saw NKU. No, I, I think it wakes them up. I, I, I think they'll regroup quickly. But let's don't leave out this one. How about Richard Patino having to play Louisville in the first round? <laughs> Which, again, uh, we love to point this out over and over again. The committee loves to tell you how they don't look at the bracket, they don't place things, and every year there are two or three things that make you go, uh, they're looking at that. Minnesota and Richard Patino <laughs> against Louisville in an opening round game for a storyline. Um, all right, a few more moments with Mark Wise again at MW Hoops on Twitter. Love my analyst. He'll be with me throughout the duration of March and the Final Four here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast, our live and live to tape coverage all the way through the Final Four. Give me the easiest path to the Final Four. It might be a team or maybe you think a region that's the easiest on first blush well, again Sunday night. I got to tell you, I, I'm having a hard time with this one. I guess if I had to choose one, I think Virginia has the easiest path coming out of the South region. Why do I say that? I, I'm not a big fan of Wisconsin and the way that they play. Uh, Kansas State is the four seed is damaged goods with, with Wade being hurt. Now, the bottom half of that bracket with Villanova and Tennessee, the good news is you don't have to play, play them both or a Cincinnati, or a Purdue. You don't have to play any of those four. You just have to play one of them. So I would say from that standpoint, I think Virginia has the easiest path. Again, I love the insight and the analysis from the wise man here. He'll be, I'm sure, taking to Twitter as Sunday night rolls on, depending on when you're hearing the show, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, again, great job here just after the tournament's over. You have my permission to go to bed and get a good night's sleep <laughs> because we're going to go at it again before we know it later this week. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, TJ. We are rolling along, and I love getting insight from all over the country. We've already talked to Deshaun Tate in Atlanta here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. We've talked to Mark Wise in Gainesville, Florida, working that SEC tournament this weekend. We'll swing up now to the NYC, New York City. He is surviving the St. Patrick's Day night festivities in New York and is still alive to tell about it. 
Uh, Ari Russell is with me here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast, fresh off of watching the Big East Championship win for Villanova three times in a row. Good to have you, Coach Ari. Let's begin there. Before we get to the brackets, let's talk about what you saw in person for a minute or so. Villanova impressive, three straight Big East title win. Saint, hey, uh, Seton Hall was outstanding in this tournament, had chances to win the game, but give me your analysis of the finish up there to the Big East tournament and the win by Nova. I mean, I tell you what, it was it was very entertaining. Uh, semifinals were two. You had two very competitive games. Obviously, you had you know Villanova Xavier go to overtime, and and we were talking about in the media like you can't give Villanova an extra frame. They're just gonna wear, wear you out, and that's what they did. And they made it to the finals, and then obviously Marquette Seton Hall phenomenal game. Really bad. It was. It, I thought I was joking. I was like, it's like a cricket match because it lasted so long because the refs like they had so many stoppages because you had two, three ejections, <laughs> two from uh, Marquette, one from. Seton Hall, and at one point they thought that Powell got ejected, and the crowd was booing, and then it turned out that he wasn't ejected, and then they brought him back out. He went to the locker room, and then he came back out. They had to get him back, and then uh, and then obviously Seton Hall, you know, really showed themselves. They, they really played great. Uh, and Villanova is just they're just on another level when it comes to this tournament. Uh, they just understand what what it takes, like what what the focus needs to be. Uh, Jay Wright is a phenomenal coach. Every single year, Villanova always has some firepower reloads retools and they've got you know plenty of guys on that team that 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 have experience and uh, that's what we saw we saw the experience really play a factor uh but but seton hall you got to give them credit i mean they really played it to the end they had a shot to actually win it with powell shooting that three which which hit off the back iron that yep. would have been the game and and, and uh, i i was impressed with seton hall they, they really look good they really look good uh and uh, it's interesting because as we're looking at the brackets, TJ, I'm looking at how, how they see the Villanova. They showed no love to the Big East. The, the, the committee showed <laughs> no love to the Big East. Villanova and, a six seed. A six seed, but again, they had some tough losses at the end of the year. And the Big East did get St. John's in as the fourth team. We had wondered about that. Yep. So they got some love, just not enough love in your mind because Villanova right. is the highest seeded team as a six. Well, I think that Villanova is, is way overseed like underseeded whatever it is called like they 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 should have probably been a four or five it's a four and they're a six and so like i think that's a mistake i think that's actually plays to a major advantage for villanova this tournament because a they've got they've got talent they went through the biggie the biggies was was off this year but it was very competitive so i think a lot of that's going to play into how they play in the tournament now obviously you know one bad shooting performance and they can get knocked out in the first round but this is a team that easily gets the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. Just looking at who they're lined up with, I, I just, you know, they, they've been there. They've got veterans. You know, Phil Booth is is one of the the more, uh, you know, long in the tooth. Joe, he's been there like 17 years uh, at Villanova. And, uh, and and he is, you know, he was most outstanding player in the tournament, and uh, rightfully so. The guy was really, you know, down the stretch, played great defense and, and hit some big shots, hit some free throws. Uh, but but Villanova is, is a team six seed, is, like the committee, people can talk about that all they want. Six seed is good for Villanova because I think that that puts them in a good position because I think that they're 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 going to be playing. They should get out the first round, and then after that, you know, I think that they have a good chance. Like once they get out the first round, I think that they're they're veteran, uh, you know, especially in the backcourt, especially with Booth. I think that's going to help, and uh, obviously with Jay Wright. I don't. They're not, they're not a team that's going to win it all at all. They're not a team that's. It's not the same as last year's team or the team that won it. Three years ago, and uh, you know, but but they're they're in it, and they're going to be they're going to be a team that's going to do some damage in this tournament. And you know, it's it's just a very fundamentally sound team. 
and a very versatile team. And that's what Jay Wright does. All right, there you go. Ari Russell again, at Ari Russell on Twitter. He's joining me on College Basketball Coast to Coast immediately after the selection show on Sunday night. We haven't, again, had hours and hours to go over all the analysis. I'm putting the same question to all the analysts. Putting it up on uh, putting up on a platter here for you. Uh, what did the committee get right? Tell me something you liked that they got right before I let you gripe. What did they get right? I actually think they got it right by putting the three ACC teams as number ones uh, down the stretch. I mean, obviously Virginia, you know, had you know one of the stronger seasons throughout the year. Uh, consistent. Obviously, they lost to Florida State, you know, in the semis, but you know they earned that one and. North Carolina, you, you really had to do it, especially how close the game was. Uh, you know, like it, it could have gone either way. North Carolina had a phenomenal season, and then obviously Duke was Zion back. They had to be number one. So I think they got it right with the one seed. You know, I, it, it didn't, you know, obviously with, with Tennessee getting blown out in the, in the SEC championship game, that really took them off the one. I think if they would have won that, they probably would have gotten the one. Uh, but, but I think they, the committee got it right with the one seed. With Gonzaga as the, the uh, one out west. They definitely deserve it. So I think that's what they got right. They got the one seeds right. I don't think there's too many people that are going to challenge it at this point. What did they get? Okay, by the same token, what did they get wrong? And maybe it's a couple things. But give me one that jumped out immediately. What did they get wrong? Honestly, I... I, Besides, I I should qualify. You've already said they got Villanova wrong. They should have been seeded higher. Is there something else that they got wrong? I, I really don't see anything. It's it, I'm not one of those those guys that really likes to, to dwell on this because, you know, we, we talk about it, and it ends, up, it ends up not mattering. You know, by the time you get to the Final Four, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, actually, I think they did a really, really good job. I think they actually, the seedings, other than the Big East, the Big East is really where I think that they, they really didn't do them any justice. I think they, they didn't show Villanova any love. Uh, that's where I really think they, they got wrong. Outside of that, I really don't see too well, much. Well, let me else. give you an example. Uh, I mean, they're griping, I'm sure, in Fort Worth, Texas, where TCU had a, a net ranking that was 51, 22 points higher than St. John's. I know St. John's had the wins over Marquette, a sweep in the regular season, and over Villanova at home. But TCU had a couple right. of quality wins. They had a higher net ranking. They got left out. I'm sure they're wondering in, in the Southwest, in Big 12 country, how are the Froggies out and how is St. John's in the first four instead of them with a 73 net ranking? So that might be one of the things, well, if you're in a different part of the country, they're griping about. That, that's, that's a really good point, TJ. And I, I, this goes back to a conversation we had the previous week about St. John's and about how if, if, it, if it's a decision between St. John's and whether it's a – mid-major team that's going to make it, or if it's a kind of marginal other team in another conference, I'm believing that the committee, committee and I know people don't want to say this, but I think that having the big market, I think that plays a role in why St. John's, maybe if you're going to flip a coin, I think it's going to, both sides are going to land for St. John's. I'm like, this is a money-making operation. And you've been saying so, that, and it's true. I mean, the, the name on the front of the jersey means something because Indiana was still in the conversation all the way through the weekend because it's Indiana, and they didn't have any case whatsoever. But you're right. I mean, they do they do look no, no, at the front of the jersey, yes. And, and and also at the same time, like St. John's did have some major quad one wins, and obviously they're, they're out of conference schedule. They did very well prior to the Big East. They were very mediocre in the Big East. Uh, but but as far as their out of conference schedule, you know, and and I you know the eye test honestly like they got blown out in, in, in their game in the in the quarters, they really didn't look that good. But at the end of the day, TCU also like you know how 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 good were they down the stretch? Mm, you know, pretty good. Okay, you know, I, I flip of the coin, you're going to give it to the New York market. That's much bigger sure. than TCU. I guess it's Dallas Fort Worth. 
But there's something to be said about having St. John's in the NCAA tournament. It's been a minute. They've been there. And, and, and it's funny because they're playing Arizona State. It's like the two teams where the truck backs up. You hear the beep, 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 beep. That's Arizona State. <laughs> they both backed in. St. John's in. getting in tournament. <laughs> All right, uh, an upset. I, I know uh, Wofford uh, in on the automatic bid. They were a seven seed yeah. out of the Southern Conference. But you say look out for Seton Hall, marginal seven ten upset here. But maybe Seton Hall yeah. against Wofford. I, I think so. I don't think that's an upset. I mean, eight nine seven ten isn't really an upset. Um, you know, actually, I think that one of my favorite matchups, and I think everyone's going to be talking about this, is Marquette and Murray State. I think uh, because you know you got Marcus Howard, Player of the Year in the Big East. Uh, you know, one of the best scorers in the country, and then Jay Morant. I mean, like having those two premier guys face to face. I think I think that's a great first round matchup. I think that everyone's excited about that because you have two prolific scorers, two you know of the the hottest. Uh, you know, Jay Morant is one of the guys that people have heard about somewhat, but you haven't seen too much because Murray State. But now we're going to get to see him on the yep. big stage against Marquette. Now Marquette is phenomenally coached. Uh, Steve Wojciechowski has just done a phenomenal job. You know, coming in replacing Buzz Williams, who's also done a great job of Virginia Tech, by the way. But but I just think that that matchup is great. I don't know. I don't know what to call it. That's a, that's, a, that's one I don't know. Like I saw Marquette, they look really good. They're really well balanced, well coached, play good defense. They got a lot of guys that can shoot from the perimeter. Obviously, you got Howard, but this guy Moran is, is, is an X factor. Right? I mean, he is just he is just phenomenal. Like, he is uh, he's a top five pick uh, for, for Murray State. I don't think that we've seen a player that good since Popeye Jones. I love that. Another Murray State reference there uh, on that one. Coach Ari, I always love the insight and the analysis. Great work at the Big East Tournament covering it for us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. He was there on scene at Madison Square Garden. I appreciate the insight. We'll be talking to you as well as we roll along here through these NCAA tournament games, uh, whittle the field down, and eventually end up at the Final Four in Minneapolis. Thank you on Selection Sunday night, sir. Thank you, TJ. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to talking further about the tournament as we go along. Uh, and we're also anxious to talk to this guy. Matt Zimmick is back with me. Love his insight on the NCAA tournament. March Madness on the uh, free throw awareness front. Everything that's going on. Again, it's Selection Sunday night. Happy Selection Sunday night, Matt Zimmick. Good to be with you after the brackets have been revealed. How are things? Merry Christmas. <laughs> because that's what Christmas Day is for college basketball fans. We now know the field of 68, and uh, okay, I, I want to jump right in. Give me something this selection committee got right that you really liked when the brackets were revealed and the 68 teams were revealed. What would you say? Well, you know, people talk a lot about who's going to be the one seed, who's going to be the two seed, and, you know, what are the bubble exclusions or inclusions. Uh, to me, one of the overlooked aspects of Selection Sunday, and which is always worth mentioning, is not necessarily who gets a seed, but where are they placed, which site. And so the thing that I was pleasantly surprised by, one thing that I think the committee did, definitely did get right, with Tennessee beating Kentucky in the SEC semifinals, Tennessee did deserve to be higher on the seed list uh, than, uh, than Kentucky, which means that Tennessee, not Kentucky, deserved to stay home in the South region and get that placement in nearby Louisville, Kentucky, uh, for the regionals, the South regionals. So Tennessee did go to the South, and Kentucky was shipped to the Midwest in Kansas City. So that was very good. I was expecting uh, the committee to go with the, the, the Blue Blood, Kentucky, keep Kentucky close to home in Louisville. So that, that pleasantly surprised me. And then I can just address the flip side in terms of something I didn't like for that very same reason, TJ. Kansas 
lost, you know, didn't didn't come close to winning the Big 12 title, regular season title this year, got bumped by Iowa State uh, in the Big 12 tournament final. Kansas should have been shipped to a region outside the Midwest. Kansas should not have been able to have a chance to get to that regional in Kansas City at the Sprint Center where it plays the Big 12 tournament. It plays a number of, uh, 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 well, technically neutral site, but essentially non-Fog Allen home games during the regular season. But the committee kept Kansas in the Midwest. So, you know, Kansas might not beat Auburn in a potential uh, four-versus-five second-round game, but if Kansas does, then that Kansas-North Carolina Sweet 16 game, that's a Kansas home game. And in 2012, uh, North Carolina was the one seed in the Midwest, and it played second-seeded Kansas in St. Louis in the regional final, and that was a Kansas game and Kansas won it so that's the thing that I didn't like about the committee interesting and again there there are always things that you can nitpick at on sliding a team here or putting a team there but there there are some things that you just scratch your head at and that's one of those that you um, that you put out there and they you know Ari Russell was on before you talking about the name on the front of the jersey does matter he is he's been talking for a couple of weeks they want the New York market you're going to see St. John's in granted they're in the first four but you know the, the they have demonstrated the committee uh, for years and years, for decades, that the name on the front of the jersey will get you standing. And the point you just made there, that Kansas is getting this almost on reputation, helping them get to Kansas City to help sell tickets and the interest and help them go farther. Uh, the name on the front of the jersey, just give me another quick comment, it, it means something. Whether you're Kansas or you're Duke or you're Michigan State, it means something. Yeah, it does mean something. I mean, these these things carry weight in the room. I, and, and interestingly, TJ, you know, I'm out here in Phoenix, and you know, you, I, I'm you might think that I'm happy that Arizona State got into the tournament. I really am not. I I, I thought that this year's Pac-12 was so bad that it really needed to be punished, or at least if teams were going to get at-large bids, as Arizona State and Washington both did. Uh, they needed to have some meat on the bone uh, in terms of their resume. And, yes, Arizona State did beat Kansas, but this was four-seed Kansas, not one-seed Kansas. And Arizona State had a couple other nice wins against Mississippi State and Utah State. But look at all the horrible losses Arizona State had. Princeton was one. And then Arizona State lost seven games to this version of the Pac-12, and none of those seven losses were to, to, to Washington. They were seven losses against the non-Washington teams in the Pac-12. So that's eight bad losses as far as I'm concerned. So eight bad losses matched up against four good wins, Mississippi State, Utah State, Kansas, and Washington. Arizona State did beat the Huskies once. You know, to me, that kind of resume shouldn't get rewarded. Washington itself, I mean, I, I will allow that Washington, you know, made the tournament because basically it just didn't lose many games. And sometimes you're a team that gets into the tournament like that but how many ncaa tournament teams did washington beat right you know that's what i don't that's what especially, i don't like about this quadrant especially system. matt to get a nine seed not just in but safely in and ahead of some other teams that you would look at and go well wait a minute they have a better resume um in looking at a couple of the 10 seeds i was looking this over and again we're getting first blush 
uh, look at the bracket and and some of the different teams, but uh, you know Florida's got a much better resume than Washington has got, including the wins over LSU. Two of them for them to be a ten and Washington to be a nine. It kind of makes you shake your head a little bit on that one. So uh, in any event, we can squabble over the seating uh, a bunch. The Pac-12 did get three uh, that are in there. Uh, anything I, else? Anything DJ, else? Go I ahead. Wanna, yeah. I just want to yeah, I just want to finish this point. You talked about reputation. So the, the thing that I was building to is that Arizona State has gotten in each of the last two years, in my opinion, because Bobby Hurley. You know, Bobby Hurley is Duke. Bobby Hurley is Northeastern basketball. He has a family legacy in and around the sport of basketball. I think if Arizona State's coach was Herb Sendek, you know, he used to coach at, at ASU, <laughs> or if ASU had another nondescript coach. Rob Evans, who ASU was there. Rob Evans, who was there before that, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think Hurley's the reason ASU has gotten in each of the last two years. People can fight me all day on that, but I'm going to believe it. All right, uh, an upset that jumps off the page. Did you have one on Sunday night? Again, we have not had the opportunity at length to study all these games because I'm talking to these guys shortly after the selection show, and Matt's gracious to come on with me. Uh, an upset that jumped off immediately at you when you were looking at it Sunday night? Well, you know, this, it, we, we always talk about the 12-5 upsets, and I think the 12-5 games are definite upset candidates. Uh, I think Oregon-Wisconsin is one of those 12-5 games where, you know, the, the fifth seed or the, you know, the much higher seed is the team that's kind of responsible and steady and fundamentally sound, and it does things right, and that's why it got a nice, solid little five seed. But the 12 seed has the dudes, the guys who can jump out of the building but who have been erratic all season long but are putting it together at the right time of year. You know, TJ, we always come across this in some form in the NCAA tournament, not just in the first round with the 12-5 games, but also in the second round with a 12-4 or an 11 versus a 3. I think back to uh, Gonzaga versus Utah in 2016. That was an 11 versus a 3. Gonzaga was the 11. And yet Gonzaga had all the dudes. Gonzaga had all the studs. Gonzaga had all the, you know, the jump-above-the-rim players. And Gonzaga crushed Utah. It was clear that Gonzaga was the better team, but Utah was that cohesive team which meshed during the season, you know, worked really well together. Mark Few struggled with that 2016 Gonzaga team. He struggled to put all the pieces together, but they, they, they fit at the very end. They finally clicked, and when they did click, their best, Gonzaga's best, was much better than Utah's best, even though Utah was seated eight slots higher. So, when I look at Oregon versus Wisconsin, I see exactly that kind of dynamic. And I also think that Murray State is a 12 against Marquette. Marquette's been flatlining the past three weeks. Those are two great candidates for upset. All right, keep an eye on those. I saw the Georgia State team Sunday win the Sun Belt Championship, so that does obviously make me slant or be a little biased towards having watched them in person. I did not get to see Houston's game with Cincinnati, but Cincinnati beat them easily, as it turns out, in Memphis in the American Conference Championship game. Just be wary of Georgia State. They're long, they're athletic, they defend they gave Cincinnati problems for about 30 minutes of the game last year in the NCAA tournament. A lot of the same players are back for Georgia State with another crack at it. Let's see what happens in that one. And another interesting note, Matt, you love these nuggets that eight years of the first four, 
eight previous years of the first four. A first four team has advanced out of the first four and won at least an opening round game. So be mindful when Belmont and Temple are playing and the other first four game of Arizona State and St. John's. Whoever wins out of those two games, keep an eye on them to win an opening round game because there's something to be said real quick about playing a game midweek and still being fresh. Yeah, you got to travel some, but you got a game in while the other team that you're playing maybe sat for a few days, maybe sat for a week after losing in their conference tournament, right? Absolutely. And, you know, this is, this is really kind of hit and miss, but there are some times when you look at a situation and you see exactly how the pieces of the puzzle fit. And, and you know, for every time that you're wrong about one of those kinds of inclinations, you can always find a time when you're right. So, yeah, absolutely, that, that's really how the economy of March is. You know you're going to get certain kinds of things, you know, such as upsets. It's just a matter of which ones you happen to be right on, and that's sure. really the precarious nature of this tournament. Oh, they're coming. There's going to be upsets. There will be teams with high numbers in front of them, large numbers in front of them that will win some games. We also want to encourage the fans, free throw awareness month still in progress. The hashtag FT Awareness Month. We've been promoting it all weekend on the shows, on the live games from the Sun Belt. Uh, free throw crisis centers will resume with the first four games and then 16 games thursday 16 games friday they need to go to the hashtag ft awareness month and find out more about our merchandise the discounted shirts all the different stuff matt uh friends don't let friends miss those front ends right of the one-on-one and and on sunday this almost cost a team an ncaa tournament berth st louis led st bonaventure by six or seven points with like a minute left missed two front ends mm. and St. Bonaventure reduced that deficit to two points, had a wide open corner three to win the ball game with two seconds left, but missed it. But f- f- missed two missed front ends, which we call burnt ends here on the national free throw advisory board, very <laughs> nearly cost St. Louis and, a dance card. And look, Georgia state won the game and they were impressive, but it was a precarious use your word game at the end against UT Arlington and DeMarcus Simons, their best player, two of 11 Matt Zimmick at the foul line. The rest of the team was outstanding, but he was missing way too many of them. And he, he kept a six or seven point game at six or seven instead of putting it to 10, 11, 12 and putting the game away. Friends don't let friends miss the front ends. What, what, what do free throws do this time of the year in March? What do they do? That free throws can destroy a family, and that is a direct <laughs> quote from the governor and the inspiration for National Free Throw Awareness Month, Bill Raftery, from a 2002 NCAA tournament game between UCLA and Cincinnati in Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, we'll hopefully there won't be that many destructions at the foul line, but somehow I think there are some coming. All right, can we exhale? I think we can exhale. Are we ready for the basketball to resume in Dayton and then on Thursday and Friday? I think we are. Matt Zimmick, thank you. Follow him at Matt Zimmick on Twitter. Follow the uh, the Twitter handle at FT Awareness for the free throw awareness and also the hashtag is hashtag FT Awareness Month. I think we covered it all. Uh, Matt, keep going over the brackets. I appreciate you spending some time with me here before the games get rolling. Thank you for being with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast once again. Let's dance, baby. Let's do it. And that'll do it for this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Again, however you found us, through Spreaker, through cbbtoday.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We'll be back 
Looking forward to the games this weekend and obviously everything that's going to happen with the NCAA tournament all the way through the Final Four. I'm TJ Reeves. My thanks to Deshaun Tate in Atlanta, Mark Wise in Florida, Ari Russell in New York, and even Matt Zimmick there in Arizona out west for coming on on Selection Sunday night. We thank you for being with us as well on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.